The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. (laughs) Oh my goodness, hello my friends, welcome to episode 118 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. That uh, intro that you heard a while ago, stay tuned. It's going to make a lot more sense later on when uh, when we have our guest author, Gary Morgenstein, on here. And uh, you'll understand it when you hear. <laughs> hey, every episode of this show is available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube, which is a really cool spot to go to. It's gaining a lot of traction over there because you get to see the book cover as the show plays. So if you want to support the show... You can do so by going in, leaving a starred review, write a review, and, you know, just like I say all the time about leaving book reviews for the uh, the books that you hear about on here, or any books that you're reading for that matter, that is a great way to support the show. It really does help. And uh, let me know that you did so. Make sure that I'm seeing it by reaching out to me and uh, bring it to my attention. I'll make sure to uh, mention you on the show. Speaking of, you can follow the show on social media, Facebook and Twitter. We are just the Sample Chapter Podcast on both of those. I want to welcome, oh my goodness, I'm going to butcher somebody's name here, and I apologize, Amy Strouch. (laughs) I want to welcome her as a new listener. She heard our promo spot on the Mondo Method over on Project Entertainment Network, you know, that our show is also a part of, and uh, came over to start listening to episodes. So thank you, Amy, for checking it out. I know you're going to find some new favorite authors and books here on the uh, in the backlist. If you would like to be mentioned on the show, just like Amy, aside from leaving us a starred review on your favorite podcast player, you can also reach out to me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have a comment, if you have something you want to say, maybe you have a recommendation for an author, you know, a bucket list author that you want to uh, get on there. And let me tell you, the best way to get people's attention, including that author, is to post on social media and tag us all. Say you want Robert McCammon to come on the show, which I've been working on for two years, believe me. <laughs> then the best thing for you to do is to post on social media and tag us both. So that, that way they see that because they do listen. They do look at that and they do notice. And I think if enough people are stating, hey, we'd like to have such and such author heard on the sample chapter podcast then that's a great way to do it but yeah like i said you can also reach out to me if uh, maybe your your best friend or uh, your wife or husband you know your your significant other has written a book and they don't know what to do with it next reach out to me sample chapter podcast at gmail.com and we'll get them on the show we'll make it happen so did you miss me <laughs> last week uh, we had no new episode last week i had one i had one recorded but i honestly i've been exhausted it's been a uh, trying time these last several last couple months with the uh, the covid-19 thing going on i hope you're doing well i i am myself i'm doing well i'm healthy and uh staying strong but i really needed some time for me I needed to get caught up on a few things. I, I had a lot of stuff going on in the background that I just I really needed to take some time and work on it. So that's what I did last week. 
On Monday, I sat down that morning, went into my Buffer program. Uh, Buffer is a uh, program for uh, anybody on social media, and you can preload posts so that way you don't forget about it. So like with this show, it's important for me to continuously mention past episodes, uh, the current episode, my sponsors, my networks that I'm a part of, that kind of stuff. So I preloaded my week of uh, episodes without a new one for the week, and then I just let it go, responded a little bit to some comments, you know, some nice comments here and there on, on social media. And aside from that, I didn't look at my numbers. I didn't do anything else the rest of the week. And I, I, I've got to say, <laughs> I am so incredibly humbled. The attention that you listeners gave this show, even when there was no new episode out there, you guys are incredible. Sample Chapter fans are the greatest fans there are. To have no new episode and still have the kind of download numbers I had last week, oh my gosh, you all are incredible. I, I'm i blown away. You all are, you guys are wonderful, and uh, I appreciate that you guys are listening and finding new authors. You know, among other things I did last week, I also was able to edit several chapters on my upcoming novel, Novel Idea, and I got a few got a few new authors scheduled for the show. Um, actually, got a few appearances for myself scheduled. So that's exciting. That's always a fun thing to do whenever uh, somebody reaches out to me about coming on their show. So that's that's really cool. And I'll be sure to let you know when that comes up. Speaking of being on an, on another show, this week's guest Gary Morgenstein, he and I were both on the Wormhole Writers uh, website. We were guests on there for a roundtable discussion about our work and uh, you know how our stories affect other things, and that was a really cool interaction to get to do. Make sure you check out the show notes, and you'll see that interview with uh, Gary on there, and then mine's in there as well, as well as another previous guest. William Schlichter, he's also uh, was also in that that roundtable discussion with the Wormhole Writer. So I'm gonna make sure and put a link in the show notes for that, so you can go right in there to see Gary's, and uh, then you can shop around or look around. and And uh, I believe right there at the bottom of the screen is you can see the links for uh, the other ones. But that is that was my introduction to Gary. And one of the things about this show that I just absolutely love is meeting authors that are new to me. So with Gary, he was somebody who I wasn't familiar with his work. I wasn't familiar with who he was. Uh, I saw a portion of his video, and I, I just knew about this uh, incredible baseball book that he's got, futuristic baseball book that he's got that's uh, doing really well. So I was looking forward to having him on the show. Lo and behold, imagine my surprise when I find out some of the uh, ways that he has affected pop culture today. Uh, Gary was the guy behind... Well, he would be too humble to admit it, but I have a feeling he's a huge reason for the success behind the one and only Sharknado Shark Series. <laughs> You're going to hear that story here coming up. Uh, I'll let him explain it, but it sounds to me like he's the one that held the candle and made sure that things happened. And, uh, oh my gosh, what, what an incredible treat that turned out to be. We had such a fun time. I challenge you not to smile whenever he's talking about Sharknado. He also talks about that, uh, when you're an author, you are captain of the ship. It's up to you to take care of everything. And you also have no one else to blame but yourself when something is wrong. And we're going to hear the most important tip of the day Gary has for us is everything bagels with a smear of cream cheese 
for inspiration. You'll see what that means coming up here in just a moment, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss out. First, I want to thank our longtime sponsor, U-Store-All out of Warrensburg, Missouri. They are the number one self-storage facility in the Warrensburg area. With two facilities, both of them fenced in, climate control, and solar-powered, they are the pinnacle of self-storage. Hey, check them out online at ustoreall.net for more information. And that is spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. And of course, I want to thank my favorite writing software, Scrivener. Uh, I'm not going to go into it too much. Uh, you guys know how I feel about it if you've been listening to the show for a while. So check out this advertisement and learn how you can save yourself 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Thank you so much to Scrivener for sponsoring the show. You guys are incredible, and I love it. I know you're going to love it too, everybody out there listening. If you are thinking about writing, give it a try. I want to give a shout out to uh, my two networks that I'm a part of. I want to say hey to Joey Mills and the guys over at popgoestheculture.com. Their flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture, is still running. They've got some pretty wild shows that they've been doing, uh, sharing everything, pop culture, and more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about them and all the other shows like mine that's in that list. And, of course, Project Entertainment Network. They now have over 30 incredible podcasts within the network, just like this one. What evil lurks in the heart of Don Mondo? Only Chucky the Buddha, the enforcer of the Mondo Mafia, knows. Join them each week on the Mondo Method podcast as Chuck tries to get Don Mondo to reveal what is best in life and where he hid the bodies. Oh, they also talk about writing and being professional authors. The Mondo Method Podcast with Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha. Weekly, wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for checking out that advertisement. So let's get on over to our interview with playwright, author, and supporter of the Everything Bagel with a schmear of cream cheese, Gary Morgenstein, coming right up. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Simple Chapter Podcast. This week, we are sitting down with a new friend of the show, author Gary Morgenstein, who has created his own dystopian world and welcomes us to explore it. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. I'm delighted to be on and talk to everyone. I'm so happy to have you here. It's it's always fun for me to have somebody on who I've, I've in one way or another, sort of know, but kind of don't. Right. But... Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's like we're we're familiar with each other, but yet this is our first time getting to talk. So I'm excited to uh, get to know you a little bit more. Same here. So uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your background as an author. Well, um, my sixth novel will be out. Uh, a Festival for Freedom will come out next next year, probably in the spring, from BHC Press. I'm working on this series. Uh, the first novel was A Mound Over Hell, which came out in 2018. And I've also written plays. I have a play which, you know, God and Governor Cuomo willing would, will premiere in New York City later this year called The Black and White Cookie, uh, a funny drama about racial harmony. So, and I've been, I spent longer than I care to admit, um, doing publicity in television, most notably a sci-fi channel where I was the mad PR genius behind Sharknado. Oh my goodness. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Yes, that was that was quite the uh, <laughs> quite the phenomenon there for a while, and, I, and we have you to thank for it. It sounds like yes, pretty much <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe I believe when very few did, and it was just extraordinary. Oh my goodness! Now, how does something like that? How do you get involved in something like that? Well, I was um, director of uh, communications at Sci-Fi Channel, and among my areas was handling uh, the original movies. The B, you know, they were the the B movies, you yeah. know, the, uh, you know, the monster movies, the, the ones that were not going to change the world. We're not like, you know, a challenge Shakespeare. Um, but we're fun and sometimes fun and cheesy is, is what it's all about. And one of the movies that fell into my lap in, um, in, in July 2013 was Sharknado. And I always had a good, you know, we almost, Sharknado actually almost never went on the air. Because in June, there was um, a series of tornadoes that hit the Midwest. Uh, you know, forgive me if I don't remember the exact state, but they did kill a couple of hosts of a Discovery tornado uh, chaser oh, yeah. watching. You know, remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now for those of you who, the few out there who've never heard of Sharknado, uh, it's about a tornado which hits Los Angeles and lifts sharks out of the ocean and drops them on land where they end up like eating a lot of people. So... The executives at Sci-Fi, my masters, were kind of worried that we would seem insensitive if we ran Sharknado. I said, wait a second. This is like a tornado, a real tornado. This is tornadoes in Los Angeles, which have never happened before, which are probably impossible. And they're dumping sharks on land. I mean, why would anyone think there's a connection? But then I was warned, if you're doing publicity, be careful. So uh, so it was pretty much my you-know-what on the line. If, mm -hmm. um, there was pushback. And I got it. I, I spoke to the TV editor of the New York Daily News, Don Kaplan, and he said he's going to give us a huge spread on Sharknado. And I said, well, I mean, you want to see the screener? He says, no. I said, well, you want pictures before you make the decision? He said, no, the name is good enough. <laughs> but people were concerned. Like I, I did some publicity the, the few days before and I and Ziri um, wouldn't do any publicity because he thought this movie was going to kill his career. And, uh, you know, we got some nice press and people thought it was like a zany idea. And then Thursday night, uh, in July, in July 2014, um, 2013, excuse me, when it, um, it, it aired, it went berserk. It was, you talk about a perfect storm. Yeah. Something about the name, people being bored. Suddenly Mia Farrow is saying she's watching it with Philip Roth. The American Red Cross is saying that there's a sharknado. This is what you do. And I woke up the next morning and 
um, I had a lot of emails. I thought, well, this is a little strange. And then I went to my then girlfriend's house because I had to borrow his suitcase because I was going to um, San Diego Comic Con in a few days. And she said, well, you know, uh, Sharknado, it was on the Today Show. I said, what? She <laughs> said, yes, but they're doing another segment. I said, what? What are you talking about? And I sat there, watched it, and I was like amazed. And I got to the office and people had to bring me food because I really couldn't leave except for an occasional bathroom break. And I, literally my phone, I thought, was going to melt from all the calls. I had to um, assign friends or colleagues to handle interviews because I couldn't possibly be at all the interviews that were coming my way. And, you know, all over the country. I mean, just it was, it was incredible. Um, you know, the evening news and finally the nightline call. And they said, well, we want to do a, an interview, you know, a piece about Sharknado. And I said, wait a second. There was, just, there was just a military coup in Egypt, and you want to do something about Sharknado? They said, yeah. I said, okay, then fine. And, you know, for the next several years, it was crazy. It was a cultural phenomenon. And um, I have two cameos in Sharknado 2 and Sharknado 3. It, it, it just hit something with people because – it was funny. It was absurd. But people, as long as you took it for what it was, uh, and people need to escape sometimes. And it, 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 it you know, it embodied escape. And then we had um, simultaneous airings across all over the world. Uh, and I mean, my favorite Sharknado was Sharknado 2, because I think that one had the most soul. It was set in New York. And uh, it kept getting delayed for various reasons. And so finally, the production starts in February, which, you know, can be a mite chilly mm -hmm. in New York City. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, the script said that we were supposed to shoot in Yankee Stadium because that's where the Sharks were going to hit. And the Yankees didn't want the stadium, you know, wrecked even by CGI. Mm -hmm. this, was, this was beneath them. But the Mets said, sure, come to City Field. <laughs> so, we, so we came to City Field and it was like 15 degrees. And snowy. Now, the casting call told people that if the movie set in the summer. This is a baseball game, supposedly in July. So people are showing up in their shorts. They're all like, oh, my God, we're going to kill people. <laughs> so folks are turning blue. We had to get to, like, space heaters. And the talk was like, okay, now, how are we going to explain this snow? Well, it was easy. It's Sharknado. It changed the weather. There and, you, <laughs> you know, it was... Sharknado was bulletproof because you couldn't, someone said, well, it's stupid. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? Is this, you know, <laughs> this is not physics here. Yeah. And, but it was just kind of amazing riding. Um, it was, it's television history that I was part of it. So I'm kind of proud of it. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Yes. As yeah. you should be. Yes. 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 That's, that's some great success and yeah. a whole lot of fun and great memories. It sounds like. Yeah. Yes. It sure was. Now, and then you've been, uh, like you already mentioned with your black and white cookie, the uh, the play yeah. you've got. Do you have other plays or do you do this on a regular basis? Yeah, I, I, I split it up. Um, I have another play, uh, Tomato Paper Over the Bronx, which is set in 1968, about um, a Bronx family, working class family, trying to flee the tenement. And I'm developing a, a TV series uh, with, with my partner, my writing partner, Russell Friedman, called Joyland. Uh, which is set in the 1960s. So I try to do, you know, a bunch of different things. The first thing I ever did was write novels that will always be my first love because you are, as you know, Jason, you're the captain of the ship. 
mm-hmm. you and you also can't blame anyone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. Right? You know, you write a play and it's like, oh, jeez, where did we get this actor? They blew the lines of what was the director thinking? It's too bad. Your something's wrong in your novel. It's you. You did, it, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's it's so I, I kind of like that, and I like the freedom. And uh, obviously, when you're writing a dystopian novel, uh, and mine is set, I mean, just briefly, it's set uh, because in 2098, after America and the West has lost World War Three to Islam. Mm. So yeah, so that kind of leans into 700 years of a clash. Because I was thinking, okay, I, the idea came to me. My wife and I, some years ago, my wife and I were um, having um, Sunday morning breakfast. We were having um, bagels and cream bagels, or everything bagels with a shmear, as is the custom of my people in, a, in Brooklyn on a Sunday morning, listening to the Beatles. And this idea came to me. Um, what if baseball, and I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, what if this baseball's final season ever, but it's set in, Amer- in a dystopian America that's fallen apart? I thought, well, okay, it's kind of cool, but... I need a little more than that to write yeah. novels. And I thought, well, what? I didn't want to do environmental. I mean, that's. I thought America should have lost World War III. But to who? And to lose to the Russians, well, here we go, it's like Red Door. Right. Yeah. Uh, to the Chinese, it's boring. Uh, but Islam, that hits a lot of buttons. Like I see it, it's a 700 year clash. Um, it's a culture clash, it's a clash of religions. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of interesting because I wanted to show America in decline, a, a once great nation, uh, an empire, if you will, in the most, what I consider the, the best of the uh, definition, um, having lost its way. And in the post, in this post, um, uh, war, uh, society that's something called the family. So there's no longer democracy, uh, capitalism, socialism. It's, it's just, um, run by the family, um, run by the elderly, Grandma, and it's a different world. It's um, patriotism is outlawed. Uh, the uh, the entertainment business banks are outlawed under the anti-parasite laws. Uh, there's no social media under the anti-narcissism laws, and it's about doing your best and treating other people civilly. And it's beyond identity poli- politics. There's almost all the um, Characters in my novel are diverse, with you know some background or another. Mm-hmm. I'll get in trouble if I start ticking them off, and I forget one. But, <laughs> but you know, this is science fiction in the 22nd century, and the world is not going to be white. It's just how it is. Yeah. And uh, you know, get real. You know, get get with it. Um, but you, you know, for example, uh, there's something called disappointment villages. Okay. So for so say this is not. Remember the um the movie um Elysian. With, with Matt Damon, where, you know, usually... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You're right, you know, the, the poor people that put, you know, ghettos. Uh-huh. Right? And right. This is nothing at all. If, if you fail, say, Jason, you've tried your best, you just can't cut it, man. Um, you've tried this business, that business, you and your partner, your wife, your kids, whatever. And so what are we supposed to do with you? When there's no welfare, because if you fail, it's your responsibility. So you get sent to what to the DVs, the disappointment villages. So you get a reboot. Oh. So it's yeah. So you get to try again now. More often than not, in this world, it's the kids who emerge because the children are paramount. Uh, in the war, seventeen million Americans died. Four million of them children. So abortion's illegal. Birth control's illegal. 
but teachers are revered. The, the three most honored professions are cops, teachers, and doctors. Because if they're corrupt, game's over. Hmm. And, you know, the corruption of the system, you know, the political system, it's gone. You would, again, okay, Jason, you're, you're brilliant, whatever. You know, you're in, uh, you own a business and you sell great and you're number one. But you can't do it by stabbing Gary in the back. Okay. Yeah. If we're, you know, if we're in the, the work world, you can't say, oh, Jesus, Gary, this sucks. We got to, what are we going <laughs> to do? You, can, you can't do that. Right. It's all about, you know, you're, you're, you're encouraged to succeed as much as you can, but you have to do it in a positive way. And, but through all this is, the, is the darkest side because, you know, individual responsibility has its costs. Uh, you know, is, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And so we had to baseball, which had been dying for a long time. Uh, no surprise, you know, as we saw, we're starting to see it now. And baseball was associated with treason. Um, because there was a group called the Miners who wanted America to prosecute the war more vigorously and to use tactical nuclear weapons, if need be. And they launched a terrorist attack during Game 7 of the 2065 World Series at Amazon Stadium, then Yankee Stadium, mm. uh, tried to take out the, the, the family, the government leadership. They failed, and baseball was disgraced. And so all the stadiums were torn down, the remaining ones, uh, owning baseball cars, memorabilia, illegal. And there's just one, as the novel opens, as you'll, as you'll see later when I, I read the chapter, it opens um, in the Bronx at the last ballpark left. It's 2098 season, and that's going to be it for baseball. They're going to raise down Amazon Stadium and put up, you know, homes, buildings, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And wow. so, so when you talk about building a world, it's 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 a challenge because you're always saying, oh well, how do I explain this? And your readers are going to bust you if I take a shortcut. They're going to know. You can't, you know, for yeah. example, you know, there's cops. Cops have to be above the law. Mm-hmm. There's no corruption. Cops, you know, this is not like on television or movies where the cops bang someone about, <laughs> you know, you know, step over the line. You're not allowed. It's just unthinkable. So how do you prosecute? How are you fair while still doing that? And so it makes it sometimes I'll say, well, why did you do that to yourself, man? That's hard. What? <laughs> why do you have to make it so complicated? For example, in the, in the novel, one of the characters gets pregnant. Uh, now, a sing- now, since we're in a society where family is paramount, loving someone, and again, family, gay, straight, doesn't matter. It's, again, it's, that's irrelevant. It's mm-hmm. just as long as you love someone. But it's the nuclear family that's important. It's single women, you can't keep the baby. Just flat out, you're not considered the proper role model in this world. We need families. And mm-hmm. um, so I thought, okay, now I got her pregnant. What's going to happen? Well, she's not going to be able to have an abortion. Because if children are, you know, at the top of the list, if everything is done for the child, abortion w- wouldn't be tolerated. So I had to think of, you know, ways around that. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, yeah. sounds Keep like it. Busy. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's amazing. So and and for all the listeners, again, that's a mound over hell that we're talking about, and it all began with a simple breakfast. Simple breakfast, everything bagel <laughs> with the schmear cream cheese. With the schmear. Don't forget the schmear. No, no. That's what did it. Boy. That's not, you know, try it at home. Be careful. I don't know what will happen. Oh, my gosh. I, I tell you, it's it's 
that's one of the fascinating things with this show is I've had over a hundred authors and I just love hearing ideas that something just so, you know, that here's this remarkable sci-fi story in 2009, a post-World War III and everything, and it all began with breakfast. And That's it's right. just, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, the, the creative process, we really don't know how it happens. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's a mystery. You can say, you can see the result, but exactly, I mean, when you think about what we do as writers, we have people running around our head talking to us. And that flat out, I mean, that sounds like, you know, you could, you should be committed, but that's the truth. And you know, I mean, how many write of the hundred writers, I'm sure 95% would say, well, yes, yeah, sometimes the characters take over the story. And you go, well, no, but yeah, you know, it's true. Oh, yeah. oh, right? Yes. 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 Or they some say, side character wants to take over and make it yes. their story. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And where'd they come from? And they write, you know, and you try to nudge them aside, but sometimes you just have to say, okay, I give up. Do it. Go ahead. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> you, know, you know, let me know when you're finished. But, but that's, and how can you scientifically explain that, much less even clearly to people who look at you kind of, you know, they'll tolerate you, but that's how it is. That's the that's the process. So, exactly. you, know, for, you know, for all those out there, writers, you know, we're all brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know what you're going through, really. I'm gonna Don't guess, let people call you crazy. Yep. I'm going to guess that you and I probably write similar, that we have the idea in our head, we have an idea of where it's going to go, but the rest of it's all exploring. We're just yes. pantsing it. Yep, yep. My wife created a genius board for me once because I, I, I happened to mention that, you know, I'm always um, impressed by writers, you know, on television. You see them with their index cards. Yeah. And it, my mind is just, I don't, I can't do that. So she decided to help me. So I did all the post-its. I put, I decorated the entire genius board with all these ideas. I never looked at it again. Mm-hmm. Never. It's just, I, you know, I make notes, but as often as not, it's going to change. When yeah. you write, it's just a whole different ball game. And I, you know, I salute people who are that organized, but sadly I'm not. Uh, well, I'm, I agree with you. I'm one of those as well that I've, I've come to learn that if I organize it and I outline the entire thing all the way through, I feel like I've written it. Yeah. And it's harder for me to go back and actually write it because I don't, it just, it feels like I'm not learning anything new about mm-hmm. the story whenever I go back through it. Yeah. 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 It's the mm-hmm. look, writing, as we know. Writing is painful. And oh, I think, gosh, you yes. know, write, you know, you tell when people say they, they want to be a writer, I, I always say, well, write. I'm very harsh about it. So don't tell me, you know, you have a great idea for a book or a play or, you know, write it. And then you must be prepared to edit. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, that's the tough part. And that goes along with, like you were saying, with the, the, the side character. Uh, with my first book, I had a side character that came in started to take over and I realized it. So I was like, well, let's explore with this for a while, see where it goes. And eventually mm-hmm. I realized, okay, this is not going where it's supposed to be going. I'm yeah. my entire idea for the story is getting sidetracked. Yeah. So I had to cut all of that out and the character ended up becoming somebody different later, but I kept that section because I yeah. like, I like what it was doing, but it wasn't working for that story. So at least I've got something for something else down the road. Maybe. 
But uh, yeah, you, it's amazing where these people come from and the things that they're telling us as we're writing. Because I swear I hear them. Yeah, oh yes, well, I had, um, in the Mound Over Hell, there was um, this this Muslim character, uh, Azhar Mustafa. And when I first wrote, wrote him in the first draft, he was a very he was kind of a, a snarky um, fishing captain, and he gets captured, and it was and I cut all that, but when and the part I didn't cut was when he went home, and suddenly here's his family, and his wife, and his two sons, and I thought, wait a minute, this guy's got something working, and he became one of the consciences of my novel, actually, because uh, so, I let him develop. So it's kind, of, you know, and that's the joy. I tell you, that's right. That's just you sit there with a big smile. <laughs> oh, hello. But you're right. Sometimes. You have to be careful not to let them hijack things. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's yep. why writers drink. So <laughs> simple as that. There we go. That's totally scientific. I will. <laughs> I will try using that on my wife. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> Although she did encourage me when I had my hundredth episode, she did buy me a bottle of Writer's Tears whiskey. So oh. I was like, oh well, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> that's a great milestone oh it's it was wonderful well yeah. looking back i see uh you've got it looks like baseball has uh, really been an influence for you in your writing yeah well i grew up six blocks from yankee stadium that's why i talk like this this is a real new york accent so there's <laughs> no acting classes and i was always a yankee fan um, and my first novel was about baseball, and then my second novel was the, the man who wanted to play center field, the New York Yankees, and I, it's kind of a baseball Rocky story, and to promote it, I tried out for the Yankees at an open trial, and that was great fun. I was awful, because, <laughs> you know, I couldn't hit a curveball when I was 12. I wasn't going to be able to do it when I was 30, but, it, you know, I stood at the old, there's the old Yankee Stadium, at the old Yankee Stadium. With a you know at home plate with a bat in my hand or and in the outfield it was it was wonderful so yeah I love baseball because I love the magic I think to be a baseball fan you have to be sentimental somewhat more than other sports and I and again I I love basketball too uh, and I don't um, diss any sports or any passion or athletes or their gifts for it or the the fans love for them baseball is a little different it is you know the heart and soul of America. And it makes me sad when I see what's happening. Because baseball is not America's pastime by any stretch of the imagination. And it keeps getting further and further from what it is. You know, the endless home runs and the strikeouts and the lack of the nuance and certainly losing the kids. Because you, you see less kids there at baseball games. Um, if you lose it, ironically, you've lost the African American audience with baseball. You know, Jackie Robinson was so synonymous. On so many levels for that era, uh, you're just losing, you know, World Series at night and games till midnight and the, the tediousness of it. It's not for these times. And I can see it fading even more, especially if they don't get, you know, if they don't get the season going because they're fighting, the players are fighting because they're not getting paid enough money. Poor babies. <laughs> you know, really, 36 million Americans are out of work. Come on. You know, I understand health and safety absolutely. You mm-hmm. want to make sure that that's a given. But don't start fetching about your salary. Yeah. Half the season, really? So, 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do miss. I was just talking about this with my boss, who he's a basketball guy, big yeah. time basketball guy all of his life. And uh, he was discussing how you know he missed out on getting to see the end of the season. And you know, I feel for him and I said, you know, and I'm more football myself. But uh, yeah. I, I, I told him, I was like, you know, I do miss getting to tune into like here in Kansas City, my Royals. Get yeah. to check out a game on the way home at the end of the yeah. day or, or even during the day. Listen to it in the yeah. background. And it's it doesn't feel like summer's coming yet. The, the yeah. weather says different, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, but we live in such odd times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but absolutely. That's just how, no, I think football will be back. I think. It seems like it. It seems yeah. like that's going to come back, yeah. Yeah, I think by the fall, you know, God willing, things are starting to quiet down. I think we're going to start reopening and, and, and getting people back to work, hopefully. And, you know, living here in New York with the epicenter. Mm, uh, yeah. but, you know, but even then you see things, you know, we're promised to go back to normal. Yeah. Now, I didn't get to ask you there at the beginning. I, I forgot that you were in New York and I don't know how yeah. I could forget that. But uh, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're you're doing well. You're doing OK. And yes. You're staying safe. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We live in Brooklyn. And um, I haven't taken the subway since this started. And uh, like I said, my play my play was supposed to open. A black and white cookie was supposed to open March 26. Actually, the same day as opening uh, opening day, baseball season. Oh wow! Yeah, but they you know had yeah. a close. Yeah. So I think because it's independent theater and the seats are under 100 seats, mm. I think we're going to have a better chance come the fall of coming back even before Broadway. Because, you know, again, Broadway yeah. has, you know, 800 seats, 900 seats, and it's going to cost a fortune for producers to rent theaters and limit the number of seats. With indie theater, well, okay, you're a little more gorilla. You can, you know, you can handle that. I could see that. I could see it because I think in my own experience, it seems like the indie authors have really gained a foothold in this. Uh, they've shown yeah. that uh, you don't have to have a major publisher backing you to put your work out there and there's a lot of quality books in independent sure. authors sure sure i i had a, a podcast uh well geez 10 years ago we we did purple haze for three years and it was on block talk radio and it was it was pretty popular we had like twenty thousand downloads a week hmm. but my friends would say oh maybe someday you'll get a real radio show right <laughs> <laughs> so anything so with indie Publishers, it's like, oh yeah, well maybe someday, you know, Doubleday will publish a book, and but now it's, yeah. I, I think you know, theater is they've been doing um, Zoom productions, Zoom meetings. I had a reading, actually a Zoom of my play Tomato Can Grow in, in, in the Bronx on CreateTheater.com a few weeks ago, and so that so theater has always been resistant to streaming. And to that sort of the, 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 uh, all the digital platforms, and I think because of this situation, you know, they've opened up a little more, which is good. Yeah, yeah. If you can't get to the theater, you know, you have something on Zoom. Now it's not the same, obviously. Right. Uh, but I think at some point the technology will advance, and I you'll see, so. you, you know, and it, and it will be cost efficient, and then you could stream all over the world in the same way, like you're all over the world right now. Yeah, it's it's a for as scary as some things are, it's also kind of yeah. exciting to see what's going to come out of this and yes. where we're going to be a year from now. Yes. So. Yeah, we'll prevail. Exactly. 
Exactly. Oh my gosh, Gary, this has been wonderful. I've I've had such a wonderful time talking to you and getting to learn a little bit more about you. Where can people find and follow you? Well, um, you can get my books at uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books all over, um, the bhcpress.com, and my Twitter account is at Writer Gary, and I'm on Facebook. And everybody can go on over to, uh, he had a very wonderful interview and a video interview over on Wormhole Writers, which is how uh, Gary and I connected previous to yeah. this. Uh, I'll put a link on there for that as well. You know, anybody who's really looking hard up for entertainment right now, you can also find mine in there. So, you know, if, if you're really Please. desperate. So. <laughs> <laughs> we kicked butt. Come on. Oh, it was great. It was so much fun. So Yes, wasn't it? All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, I'm going to have links to all of that in the show notes. It's time for me to hand the floor over to our guest, Gary Morgenstein, with his latest book, Mound Over Hell. Well, thank you very much, and I will try to be as Shakespearean as possible. No, don't worry. I'm not going to ham it up. <laughs> it's always strange for a writer to read his own words. I mean, just as an aside, when you're a playwright, it's really one of the most terrifying things when you hear you, you, you play your words spoken for the first time. You're like, oh, really? So anyway, but this is a lot easier. Mound Over Hell, Chapter One. On opening day of the last baseball season ever, Puppy Needick woke up to find a hologram named Greta dancing on his chest. He wasn't happy. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. Did you sleep well? The brown wooden shutters automatically slid open, letting darkness spill into the small bedroom. Puppy glared at the 10-inch high alarm clock HG. He so hated Zelda for giving him this birthday present, he stumbled out of bed, landing on all fours. Does Puppy need help? Just tell Greta what you want, and she will do it. He crawled under the bed, but couldn't find the plug. On the top of his head found the bed spring, adding a bruised skull to his hangover. Puppy half fell into the bathroom, a step ahead of the pursuing HG. I've turned on the coffee. Toast is a-cooking. He slammed the door and sat on the toilet. This morning, I'll find ways to get even with Zelda, Puppy thought. One effective, horrible, I got you since you got me. Greta peeled about the sunlight, as if Grandma wouldn't let the sun come up. Puppy chose that day's water allotment to shave instead of shower. He lathered up his cocoa-colored face. His watery green eyes, always percolating with surprise, disappointment, peered back, boxed by a thick, hooked nose and the receding hairline chasing thick black hair. He slumped at the rickety kitchen table. The vid news, which went on automatically at sunrise, sang about some skateboarding champions. Apparently, they so delighted a visiting fifth cousin that the said dignitary decided to skateboard himself. A true man of the people, he went down a hill and hit a rock, crashing headfirst into a car. The teenager whose athletic prowess started all this helped the cousin, dressed his facial wounds, and announced they'd set up a skateboarding tutorial right there in Dayton, Ohio. Everyone was happy. Life was good. The true test of family is adversity. Grandma's 18th insight skipped across the top of the screen. Puppy swallowed some aspirin. I'm very disappointed in you, puppy. The hologram waited for him in the bedroom when he returned to dress. Get to the end of the line. Out drinking and in your circumstances. Other people paid. For how long, she whined. As long as I can persuade other people to pay for my drinks. And hey, I still have a job for five months. Instead of tormenting me, help me find my socks. Do I look like I have real arms? Greta shook her head in disgust. Faint gray skidded across the sky as Puppy shivered and zipped up his black rugs, 
Hawk screamed, adjusting the backpack off his aching right shoulder. Commuters pressed past toward the Grand Concourse, edging away from Morris Avenue, which was the tip of the southern Bronx disappointment village. There they went, dashing through the curtain of endless traffic, hurrying against the light. He'd swear on Grandma's bra straps the damn rags acted as if they could contract failure. That went against everything the family stood for. As Grandma said in her third insight, nothing was permanent if you loved deeply and worked hard. Honesty, ethics, taking care of each other, everyone believed that. If you failed, it was your fault. That's how you ended up in a DV. Like Puppy's parents. He still lived two blocks away, on the reg side, close enough to see, far enough to remember. He cut through the DV. The aged building's beige and rust brick faces were worn, yet there was always a flower pot in the windowsills. The cars were older models, some even from before the war. Bodies scratched, dents hammered out into dimples. Playgrounds at this hour were empty. You went to school or work. You tried to do something, anything, or you stayed out of sight. Otherwise, you shamed the whole community. They said you could eat off the streets of a DV. He had here many times. Sidewalks were scrubbed, light poles gleamed. Garbage didn't seem to exist. He filled the trash bag even a quarter of the way and then shoved it down the chute. You took pride in something even when you had nothing. At least you could be clean. Every one of the 89 disappointment villages in what was left of America was the same. An old suit pressed and cleaned over and over until the frayed strands begged for mercy, just waiting for a pretty new tie. Leaving the DV as if they ever did, puppies strolled along the water, pausing near the drive to watch HD sailboats drift past on the Harlem River. The abandoned buildings of Manhattan's Washington Heights like decayed beggars on the other side. Puppy waved back at the fake boat crew and headed down 161st Street to River Avenue. He paused under the L, the B train rumbling overhead, and waited out the 15-minute 8 a.m. shower, squirming into his thin sweatshirt as the temperature dropped 8 degrees. As part of his annual superstition, Puppy stepped on the pile of broken concrete, forming a jagged path outside Amazon Stadium, and handed his baseball historian's pass to the A30 on the stool by gate 6. The robot grunted in one bored breath, returning Puppy's car. Your new puppy asked? The robot nodded. Lucky me. We'll go out with a bang. The 830's eyes swiveled back and forth in faint sarcasm. All bots had the same face, which was no face. Could never tell what the bots were thinking, though you were supposed to. Nice to meet you, puppy, surprised the 830 by shaking its hand. Oh, okay, nice to meet you, Mr. Dita. Just puppy, he paused just inside. Anyone else here? The 830 shrugged. A few. Inside... A lone 831 swept a long, filthy pavilion, corralling piles of dirt around a gutted hole five inches deep. There were similar piles of dirt near the other craters. Maybe the robot thought the blasted pockmarks of the floor were bins. Along the interior wall was the famous mural of the legendary three amigos, Mushi Lopez, Easy Sun Yen, and Derek Sin, blotched with grime and dotted with bullet holes. The recognizable faces of the New York Yankees greats nearly faded from neglect. Indifference is a brutal enemy. The shattered windows of the gift shops had long since collapsed inward onto hazy, dark interiors. A few items remaining on the floor, a torn t-shirt, a miniature bar, broken pieces of something stepped on, stomped on, crushed amid the otherwise barren, dusty shelves. And thank you so much to Gary Morgenstein, reading a wonderful sample chapter from his latest book, Mound Over Hell. Hey, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and BHC Press. Click the link in the show notes for all of that and to follow Gary 
Don't forget uh, that interview is going to be in there as well over at Wormhole Writers. And all of our sponsors and friends are in there. So click those and check them out. Don't forget to get on over to your favorite podcast player and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with an all-new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. We'll see you again real, real soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You take care. Happy Friday from Brooklyn. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.